Hey everyone, this is Jason Shepard, and you're listening to the Instrument Pilot Podcast by M0A.com, where a good pilot is always learning. Hey everyone, Jason Shepard here. Welcome to the Instrument Pilot Podcast brought to you by GroundSchoolAcademy.com, our number one rated online ground school, online ground school gold members. Get our great guarantee of pass your check ride or we'll pay for it. FAA written test prep boot camp, live mock check rides, weekly workshop webinars with myself, 250 instrument pilot videos, as well as you become a member, you not only get our instrument pilot course, you get the private pilot course for free as well. So you can go back and brush up on some of those private pilot topics, if maybe it's been a while since you knocked out your private pilot certificate. Today's topic, well, today's topic is highly debated. Steam gauges or glass panel? You say, oh, steam gauges are so old. Glass panel, man, that's the way of the future. And listen, we're going to debate both sides of it. I do have some strong opinions uh, about that topic, and we can agree to disagree, or you can certainly uh, shoot me an email or leave a comment on your thought process of some of this. Steam gauges or glass panel, here is my philosophy. Let's dive right into it. What I like to see, and this is starting back at the private pilot level, I like to see My private pilot guys learn on steam gauges. Then, if you wanna make the upgrade to a glass panel, the instrument rating is a great opportunity to do that. But I want you to have that steam gauge philosophy and mindset to fall back on. That's why I like getting my private pilot with steam gauges and then upgrading to a G1000 or whatever the glass panel of the day is for my instrument rating. Because let's be honest, a G1000 or whatever you choose to use increases situational awareness just a tenfold. Assuming though, that we use that technology not as a crutch. And we're gonna talk about that more here in a second, but that's kind of my story here. Now, let me, let me finish that story and start another one though, because there's a reason my philosophy is that way. And I know you, you can successfully be a wonderful pilot. You can say, geez, Jesus, I want, I'm a career-minded pilot. Everyone says, if I'm gonna fly for a career, it's gotta be on glass, gotta be on glass, have to have a glass panel. So they do their private, their instrument, their commercial, all on a G1000 which I have no problem with that either. It's just not the chosen way I'd go about it. And here's why. When I was 18 years old, I bought my first airplane. 512 Romeo, Cessna 150. My longtime M0A.com fans will know 512 Romeo. 512 Romeo, 1975 Cessna 150. You can imagine the avionics in it. They weren't anything stellar. I was thankful it didn't have the old 1975 Cessna radio still in it, for goodness sakes. Well, at 18 years old, in college, going to an aviation college, you become the cool kid on campus as, hey, that's the guy who owns an airplane. I wonder if he'll let me rent it or fly it because it's way too expensive to fly at the flight school. 
So quickly, becoming the cool kid, I said, listen, this cool kid, I can make some money on this thing. No big deal. And I went to do my first checkout. And the school we were at, which shall remain unnamed, but you can do enough research and figure it out. Great school. It's, this is no knock on the school by any means. They were flying all Cirrus aircraft, SR-20s. I'm talking zero to hero. From no, knowing nothing about an airplane, they'd throw you in that SR-20, which I don't agree on totally. I'm not a big fan of, hey, uh, we're going to learn to fly. Let's do it in a Cirrus. I'd rather let's learn to fly in a Cherokee 140 or 172 and upgrade to the Cirrus for our instrument or something like that when you know how to fly an airplane. Because an SR-20 is still a lot of airplane to fly for a brand spanking new pilot. But regardless, that's what they were doing. And this gentleman was uh, already a commercial rated pilot. So this is gonna be awesome. He's gonna rent my airplane in between classes. I'm gonna make some extra money. This whole aviation business thing, man, this is, this is where it's at. So I go and I, I call my insurance and say, okay, I got this guy, he's a, he's a commercial pilot. What do I need to do? They said, great, he's got this many hours, awesome. You just need to do, since you're a flight instructor, Jason, you just need to do a rental checkout with him and document it for insurance purposes. And he'll fall under the open pilot policy. Awesome, I said, this is really working out. So we get out, we schedule it, and we sit in the airplane. He kind of looks at it and he goes, well, this is a lot different than flying the Cirrus. Keep in mind, this guy had gone private, you know, instrument, commercial, uh, with the exception of doing a little bit of training in an aero um, to get his commercial. Um, this is really, I mean, this would be like hour, you know, 11, let's say, in a steam gauge airplane. He's sitting down, and he's looking at it, and he goes, this is really um, not a whole lot happening here. Okay, no big deal. So we, we listen to the ATIS and everything, and he gets to this part on the, on the checklist about lining up the magnetic compass and the heading indicator. And he kind of looks and he goes, explain to me what that means, Jason. I'm thinking, what do you mean, what does that mean? We're, you're a commercial rated pilot. You, 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 know, you should be telling me, that I shouldn't have to tell you this stuff. This is a rental checkout. Come on, you're not making me feel very good about letting you use my airplane right now. I said, you've got to look at the magnetic compass. It says 230 right now. And you need to take our heading indicator because it's vacuum driven. It doesn't change itself and put it on 230. And he kind of looks and goes, wow, you mean I have to manually line up my heading indicator with my magnetic compass? I said, yes, you have to do that. What do you, what do you mean? What are you talking about? He goes, oh, the G1000, it does it for me. And that kind of became our flight. Everything, every little manual thing we had to do, oh, the G1000 does it for me. Oh, you mean it doesn't automatically, you know, sense barometric pressure and update my altimeter setting? And it was just one thing after another after another that our rental checkout was quickly becoming a flight lesson because he had been so spoiled by the technology that when the technology wasn't there, flying became very difficult. And the thing is, the principles of flight didn't change. Flying an airplane is flying an airplane. Yet he was so distracted by learning a new instrument scan because he had been so used to looking at the G1000 that it took a little bit. And it took two or three lessons so I was comfortable with him using my airplane. This is a guy who has 300 something hours in an SR20. Flying a Cessna 150 should be a no brainer. But it goes to show you the difference between steam and glass and the opposite is true. I'm not hating on glass panel guys. I can take my best steam gauge guy and say, 
hey, go fly this G1000, and there's going to be a, a quite a large learning curve, certainly larger than making the transition the other way. In fact, I don't do a lot of G1000 flying, and when I do, it's VFR. There's no way you're going to catch me blazing an approach down to minimums with an avionics suite that I'm just not familiar with. It's little things like that that you think about. You know, on that note of using this technology to increase our situational awareness and not be a crutch for us. It can't become a crutch that the moment it goes away, we all of a sudden don't know how to fly an airplane. I've had this conversation with a lot of checkride examiners. They say, Jason, you'd be amazed on the instrument pilot checkride, how many of them show up and they wanna use the autopilot for all their approaches. And the moment, I, this is the examiner talking, reaches over and pulls the circuit breaker on the autopilot and say, your autopilot's failed, I wanna see you hand fly this airplane, how much they start sweating, how poorly their flying starts becoming. They've relied so much on this technology. You know what, the technology is great. In fact, if I had to shoot an approach down to minimums, I'd be using the autopilot. I'd be following it pretty closely and I sure would be monitoring it. But you've gotta have something to fall back on. You've gotta have a skill set to fall back on. Technology cannot be a crutch for you. I say the same thing in our iPad seminars that we do all around the country on how I fly with an iPad. Because an iPad can become that same crutch. It not only becomes a crutch that you lean on, but it becomes a huge head down distractor. G1000 can do the same thing, really. any. Anything can be a, a head-down distractor, but the iPad is such a great example because we don't master it. I just had this discussion with a very good uh, friend of mine. We were doing some instrument flying, and his instrument flying was just really, really bad. Um, it just wasn't up to, certainly not up to my standards, and certainly wasn't even close to his standards. He said, Jason, what, what is wrong with me today? I looked at him, I said, you spent the whole flight trying to get that iPad to do what you wanted it to do, when instead you needed to fly the airplane. You need to learn to master these things on the ground. There are great G1000 courses out there. There are great iPad courses. There's all sorts of stuff out there for you. You need to master it all on the ground. Because here's what's gonna happen on a check ride, guys. On a check ride, practice the worst case scenario. Let's say a vacuum failure on your G1000. You say they can't, they can't fail that my vacuum pump. I, uh, trust me, they'll put little sticky notes over the screens. They will dim your PFD or your MFD. These checkride examiners know what they're doing. You will have failures. They may not get those big red X's to come up like if it really happened, but they will find creative ways to fail your instruments for you on a glass panel. You see, with a check ride, you've got to practice a worst case scenario type thing. Funny story on that. Um, on my ATP check ride, now my check ride exam and I are, are we're very very good friends. So um, I would imagine my ATP check ride was probably a little different uh, than most of his. His was more of a okay, how can I stump this Jason guy? Uh, was was the ATP check ride, which I enjoyed, and. Um, he said, okay, Jason, we're going to take off, 
it's going to be a zero zero takeoff, meaning you're going to, you know, zero, <laughs> there's nothing. You, you take off under the foggles, basically. You have no vacuum pump. And I want you to, we were, we were taking off uh, runway two, three. And he said, I want you to fly the localizer and ILS five outbound after takeoff. Now, obviously, there would be never, I would have never left the ground in the first place, and there's no real reason to do that, but it was almost like him, what can I quiz this guy on now? So literally, he had me take off in zero, zero with no vacuum pump, so no heading indicator, uh, no, uh, no attitude indicator. As soon as I took off, he had me track the localizer, which of course is reverse sensing, as well as pick up the glide slope and fly an ILS out backwards, which... I bet you a lot of you didn't even know you could do um, with the vacuum failure uh, under the hood since the moment we, we you know, stepped onto the runway. And I looked, I said, Chuck, there, this would never happen. He goes, I know, we're just having fun um, at this point. I just wanna, I wanna see what I can stump you on, which I appreciate to some extent. That was my ATP check ride. My point of telling you that, although certainly very extreme, is a check ride is a worst case scenario type thing. They don't want to see you on a nice, normal day, shoot an approach and break out at 1,200 feet, right at the final approach fix, um, and then everything is just gravy, VFR landing from there. They're going to simulate approaches down to minimums, hard IFR. They're going to fail things like your, your pedostatic system, your vacuum pump. They're going to present you with situations that you probably wouldn't put yourself in or choose to put yourself in. But that's what the check ride's all about. And the reason they do that is because it reveals your weakness. And if a G1000 is masking your weakness of maybe you're just not that good of a pilot, or maybe you don't fully understand all this instrument stuff. Maybe it's just makeup over a bigger issue. Well, it's going to uncover that. This is why I challenge you to not let the G1000 or any glass panel or any avionics, iPad, whatever it may be, in your aircraft be a crutch for you. And I know I may have stepped on some toes and offended some people, and I apologize for that. But I speak the truth. Um, and I, I feel free to debate it with me in the comments or via email, whatever it may take. Um, but know that I have your best interest um, at heart when I share this sort of stuff with you. The G1000 is beautiful technology. Any, any avionic suite that increases situational awareness without becoming a crutch for you is a beautiful, beautiful thing. So I encourage you to become a master of it and don't let it master you. The airplane flies the same whether that G1000 is running or not. The principles of flight do not change. Remember that. Guys, I hope you really enjoyed this. If you have a check ride coming up, I encourage you groundschoolacademy.com. Check out our number one rated online ground school, private and instrument pilot ground schools in their one price, both ground schools. You're going to really, really enjoy it. So. I want to thank you guys so much for your time. Be sure to subscribe to this in iTunes. This is a suite of podcasts from the, hey, I'm getting interested in aviation. That's called Inspire Aviation, all the way up through our CFI podcast. There are so many great things in here. So maybe you're an aspiring commercial pilot, CFI. Well, there's podcasts geared towards that as well. So guys, 
Thank you so much for all you guys do. Thank you for just spreading the good word of M0A.com. Continue to enjoy your day, and most importantly, remember that a good pilot is always learning. Have a great day, guys. See ya.